We're on a mission to help golfers from all over the world achieve their goals by understanding what it actually takes to play their best golf. We're talking with leading instructors, researchers, and players themselves to find what is actually working. Hey, thanks for joining us today. You are listening to one of our partner shows. It is the Tour Coach Podcast with Tony Ruggiero. He has some phenomenal guests on talking about teaching tour pros. He'll have his players on. It's always a great show. Today was another great episode. I want to share that with you here on the Golf Science Lab Podcast. Let's get into it. Joining me here on the Tour Coach, once again is my good friend and one of the great teachers on the game. He's the West Coast version of me. It's Mr. Brady Riggs, the Red Goat. Brady, what is up, my boy? Oh, man, I, you know, I'd be honored to be the West Coast version of Tony Ruggiero any day of the week, my man. Everything's good here in SoCal. How you you got to set your sights higher. <laughs> no, I, I think you've hit the pinnacle for sure. So I, what I wanted to start with, look, you're doing some really cool things in Hawaii. So I'm always – I haven't made it out there yet. I know I'm coming, but I haven't made it out there. But you're doing some really cool things. I want to hear about what you're doing. And then I want to talk a little bit about, you know, you had uh, you had Brandle out there, Eamon Lynch. Let's talk a little bit about what the, some of the programs you've had, the people you've brought out there, and what you're building. And let's just talk about how I think, because I, I, I agree with you, I think that having different voices and exposing people to things to keep learning is great. And I think it's also good for instruction. I couldn't agree more, Tony. I mean, I've been fortunate with you over the years to be able to bounce ideas and share a bunch of stuff. And we've collaborated on a bunch of things and worked with the same tour player at the same time together, which is great. And, you know, that's been an amazing experience for me. And I think as I've gotten older, I realize I don't know very much. You know, I know more than I used to, but I don't know as much as I think I used to. That's for sure. And right. just having pe- having people come out uh, with different perspectives, it's great, man. From a teaching's perspective, I, I absolutely love it. I get to learn from everybody that comes. And, you know, from uh, from the facility that we have in Hawaii at the Four Seasons, it's great because the members and the resort guests are, are able to experience different different teachers and, and uh, you know, maybe learn some different things from a technical standpoint, but also get an idea about the vibe, you know, from each that each coach brings. And it's right. just been amazing. I, it's been like a dream, man. It's been a dream. Yeah, I love it too. And I, you know, I and tried to do a similar thing with what I did for a while at Frederica. You came out and, and then what I've taken to Doral, the same thing. I, I've always felt like, you know, like I've never had a problem if a player wants to get another opinion. Okay. I do have a problem if a player wants to get another opinion outside of the framework of the team around them, right? And uh, you and I have been involved in some of that before. But I think it's healthy to bring <laughs> to bring. Uh, I think it's healthy to bring in, and that's why I've always brought the Brady Riggs, the Scott Lins, the Colby Tuyes, the Greg Cartons, the Jackson Courts, the Mark Woods, the Wayne in to help me with my students because I've always felt like if we got enough good eyes on a person and we all have the same motive to help the student and it's not ulterior, which happens when people wander, I think you can help a student get better. I'm curious about your thoughts about that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the thing that comes with some age, you know, and some experience in teaching that you check your ego a little at the door. Right. 
you know, and, and you're willing to like realize that you don't have all the answers and somebody else might have just a better way of explaining the same thing to somebody or a completely different perspective that can really help a player. So I think that's just, you know, I, I would have probably been less, less capable of, of opening myself up like that in my early thirties, but in my early fifties, you know, I'm, I've been around long enough to know that, that that's the best thing for the player. And that's really what matters the most. And, you know, plus there's guys that I bring out that I, I don't have the expertise in their area that they do, you know? So for example, I brought Rick Sessionhouse a couple of times out to Hawaii. Right. Rick and I played high school golf against each other. I, I've known him forever and ever and ever. And, you know, Rick's probably as good a mental game coach as anybody I've ever seen. And there's great coaches out yeah. there for sure, but he's just fantastic. So having him out has been amazing for me because I get to learn from him while he's there and see how he approaches problems that, you know, I deal with with players and try and help them through. And, and without somebody who's an expert in their field, I'm just dealing with, you know, kind of my own limited knowledge space. And I, I don't want to be in that, in that vibe. I want to make sure that I'm reaching out as much as possible, whether it's an equipment thing or, you know, I want to have Scott Lynn come out with you. We've talked about that a lot. Yeah. You know, get some swing cat stuff going. I just, I think it's important, you know, as a teacher to, to what, if I don't know something, don't act like I do, you know, and I'd rather get somebody out there who does. And then I know more, you know, it's an advantage for me. Well, I've always said, I mean, I, I think as long as you, I go back and I, I tell these stories all the time. I mean, now that he's passed away, but my old mentor, HJ, and when he was alive, I, you know, or when I was working for him, I probably didn't realize that his toughness and hardness on me, like how good that was. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, but I remember him pulling me aside one time and he said something about, he said, you know why you have a chance to be good? And I said, well, yeah, I mean, I was young. I was like, hell, I don't know. <laughs> and he said, because you don't think you know anything. Mm. You know, and That's at the great. time, I, I mean, hell, at the time, I kind of maybe thought that was an insult. You know what I mean? You know, I'm young. Right. Hell, I'm trying. And, uh, but then I realized, you know, like, I mean, that was a compliment, right? And then we were watching. Absolutely. You know, we were we were teaching something with somebody somewhere. And I, I remember asking him a question. We got in the car. And he said, that's the person that thinks they knows all the answers before they've heard the question. <laughs> yeah. Right? And that's, those that's are the dangerous people I don't place. want to surround myself, right? Totally. And I think that's where you are as one. a teacher now. I think that where we are as a teacher at 50 years, in our 50s, like, I, I think that's cool what you just said about the teacher that was in the 30s is different than the one in your 50s, because I think when we're in our 50s, I mean, I think it's more about, to me, it's more about learning and experiences. And, like, to me, it's about doing something different and cool and pushing the envelope a little and creating a culture that people want to be around than it is, like, me being the main guy or, or whatever, you know? I agree, and I think being the only voice, is probably a negative in a lot of ways, you know, like I, I, I was fortunate. I had, uh, I've had a bunch of great play, great teachers out. And I, I don't want to just harp on it, just one or two, but I had Brian Lebedevich out and Brian's at PJ West. He's a McLean guy from way back. And he's worked yep. with, you know, Christy Kerr through her major championships, number one, all that stuff. And works with a lot of great players. And, and I didn't know that much about Brian. I knew he was a really good teacher in Southern California, but he's down in Palm Desert. It's a little, you know, a couple hours from me, and I just didn't really get down there much and had him out. And, man, I mean, what a what a really smart, bright, you know, kind of a creative teacher he is. And been great. Just been a great guy for me to have. I didn't know that much about now that I know a lot about him. Another golf magazine, top of her guy, and, and rightfully so. Just, 
but guys like that have been great to come out. And, you know, I'm not going to say names, but I would tell you that there's, there's been a couple that have come out that I've been, I've been like, wow, uh, that wasn't as good as I was hoping it was going to be. And a lot of times you learn not just from the stuff you don't know, but it's almost like you can rule something out, right? Like you watch yeah. somebody teach and you're like, yeah, that's not quite what I would be doing. And, and then you see the results because they're working with, with players. And then, then I say, okay, I'm, 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 I was right about not liking that. I, I don't think that's the way to go, you know? So I think we learn from addition and sometimes it's addition from subtraction, you know, just take that away. Yeah, like, for sure. You know, and I, I also think, you know, I, I had this advice too. Somebody told me once, a great teacher said, you know, go watch people, go watch, you know, people that you consider great teachers, but go watch the people that have good reputations that you don't think are going to be any good and you'll learn something. And I was like, okay, so I did, right? <laughs> and he's like, you know, you may find out, one, that they know some stuff that's different to you, but you may find out, hey, my stuff's better than that, that, right? Like, that's okay. Sometimes it's okay to find out that you're on the right track, you know? I agree. You know, what's interesting you say that, Tony, was I was really fortunate way back, this, like, probably 15, 20 years ago, I was teaching at the Kingdom down in uh, Carlsbad for TaylorMade at, an, at yep. a Southern California PGA Summit, right? So we're down there, and I, I thought I'd do a lot. You know, I was that guy at that point, so... Anyway, I'm down there and, and we're having a, we have some live teaching going on. And it's the best live teaching I ever saw. And it totally shook me because I was a golf machine guy at the time when I thought the handle had to be way forward and all this lag and stuff. And that was my thing. And, and so I, I was in that camp and I watched some live lessons and I gave it a, I watched a golf machine guy give a lesson to a player who was struggling with their contact and couldn't stop hooking it. And, and 30 minutes in, there was no progress, like none right. whatsoever. Well, Jim Flick was there. Jim Flick actually taught down there at the time. And for those of you who don't know Jim Flick, I think you should go out and check him out, you know, his stuff when he, Legend. Was, when he was around because he's a brilliant guy. And, and I, I was dismissive of Jim Flick. I thought he was an old school guy. He was old out it didn't work, you know, use your hands and arms and stuff. So, well, I watched Jim Flick fix this player in about 90 seconds. All of a sudden, the contact was better. The hook was gone. The trajectory was there. And he did it in a way I never would have thought to, to go about. And it, it did shake my foundation as a coach because the guy that I was watching teach first, I thought, knew everything. And then I watched him flick, who I didn't think knew anything, fix the player immediately. And I had to reevaluate because I was on the wrong track and I needed a guy like Jim Flick you know, and, and I, I miss him to this day because I learned a lot just in that one 90 second interaction about my own arrogance as a coach. And it was profound, you know, so I think bringing different philosophies in, as you said, Tony, go find somebody who don't necessarily agree with and watch them teach. You may be shocked and maybe you do agree with them. And if you don't, maybe it validates the way you've been going about it. Let's talk about being wrong. Okay. Mm. You know, I've been wrong a ton, right? And I mean, hell, I had, you know, hadn't had a great year. And, uh, but sometimes I sit there and I'm like, you know, you know, I think sometimes some of our best opportunities to improve our craft and to get better come when you've had a stretch where maybe people that you're trying as hard as hell haven't gotten better. And I'm curious on your thoughts on that. Cause I've done, you know, and I've said this plenty of times, like, you know, when, when I have a period where, you know, hell, people aren't playing good, lose some clients, you're trying to figure it out, 
the, to me, those are always the times I sit and I reflect like, okay, what do I need to do to get better? It's, I, I don't want to be one of those teachers that sits around and just blames the students. Well, this guy fired me, this guy left. Da, da, da. Like, well, what do I need to get better at? And I think that that's a great opportunity, you know, and, and, and for me, it has been to get back more to what I do, right? Like, I think it, uh, I got, go through a stretch where you have access to all this science and all this stuff, then all of a sudden you're kind of doing tons of stuff that aren't really what you would normally do or who you were that maybe helped you get there. So I've tried to go back to maybe more of what I do and still use all of it, obviously, but go back to being more of who I am and how I teach. Curious what you, how you, when you're wrong, Brady, like, I mean, and you realize maybe you haven't, you know, and I, one, I think there's nothing wrong with admitting you've been wrong or that you weren't, you, you have to get better at things, but like, how do you handle that? Man, I, we were wrong at the same time, kind of, you and me, you know, together, but we were right too, you know? I mean, sometimes it's just, it could, it can be a technical problem, right? Where you're, you're like you said, you're working on some, some different technology and you're incorporating that in and changed who you are as a teacher and you lost sort of what identif- what made you good, right? And then you add that back in just as a part of right. who you are rather than who you are, you know, and that makes you grow as a coach. But then sometimes you were right and you got fired. Right? I mean, I always think of, right. and you, you know, you've spent a lot of time with Butch, and I love your stories about Butch. They're so great. But, you know, he's worked with, what, six number one players, and they've all fired him. You know, like, so somewhere in there, you're going to get fired. And sometimes you're getting right. fired for the right reasons, too. Like, maybe you weren't doing as good a job as you should have done, and, and so the player needs to move on to find something that might help them. I, I can respect that. And sometimes you're fired for the, for the wrong reasons because the player's being fed a lot of BS from somebody and it's, it's changed their outlook and they pay the price for that, you know? Right. And it's just trying to be honest with yourself about what really happened is, is the hardest part. And that's when you need, you need peers and friends in the business. And I consider you one of my closest where I can say, Tony, am I, if I wrong there, was I, was I out of line or did I have that figured out wrong? And that's one of the things I think you get as you get older is you realize that you can be wrong and it's okay to be wrong. And you have to ask, you know, for somebody you respect to give you an honest evaluation of where you were. And and that can really help you in the long term. Plus, I think it just kind of right. helps you organize it faster, right? Because you might get to the right conclusion, but it just takes too damn long. Sometimes I just want to know sooner. Did I screw that up? You know, and I guess I'm so grateful to have people like yourself and, and all the all the great people on that in the magazine that we both know and that have helped us both with our careers that I barred with, you know, and all these other yep. guys that have been great, great to me. So, you know, I, and I talk about organizing stuff. I think that that's something I've struggled with. So, you know, there's so much more info, right? And like, I mean, yeah, I tell folks all the time, Brady, like, I mean, I think most of us that teach for a living at a relatively high, we all have access to basically the same, right? Yep. yep. You know, I mean, no and look, all to me, all we're finding out through a lot of this science stuff is that some, a lot of the stuff that the Jim Flicks and the Hank Johnsons and the Bob Toskies and some of those guys of the world taught, I mean, is, was, that's why they were good. They may have called it stuff different, but, you know, so to me, organization is one of the arts of teaching, like being able to organize and structure a lesson in a program to where you can get stuff accomplished, the player buys in, but they maybe don't know everything that you're trying to do, right? <laughs> you know? And so to me, 
the more it's like you get where there's everybody's got access to more and more of this info. One of the challenges for me has been how do you keep organizing the instruction program and the lesson so that they don't get too much. To me, that's one of the challenges from teaching nowadays. And I think that's also a challenge for students that are listening to us that are taking lessons. I'll be like, how do you keep on the task, stay organized, doing what you're doing? That's a great point. I mean, I think what you said is true. Like, you got to know the student first and foremost. You know, like, what do they want? Why are they there? What are their goals? What are they good at? What are they bad at? You know, all the things that go into a person being capable to take the information that you're giving them, right, and, and be able to process and work at it. And then I think, you know, for me personally, I want to see how, how few words I can use, how simple I can make it, and how quickly I can get them to do what I want to do. That's my goal. So if that means that right. technology can help me in that end, I'm in. More often than not, it's just something a little more visual, a little something simple. You know, like I can explain to somebody, and we both can, why the angle of attack with a short club changes where you're most likely to aim if you're a really good player with your toe line. We could get into that. Mm-hmm. You know, we could talk, we could look at Hogan's book, and everybody from instruction back in the day, they'd say your wedge is the aim left with your feet and your your driver could be a little right. They didn't understand angle of attack and how that changed path and all that stuff, but they do it, right? They did it. They do it. And somebody said, just do it. And that's what we did, right? We aimed our feet right. It worked. It worked. And sometimes people don't need to know why it works. They just need to fix it, you know? So if I'm trying to dazzle somebody with my bullshit, then maybe I'll sit there and explain to them, well, you know, your AOA is up here. And so for that reason, if you want to draw it, you have to aim your feet a little more to the right. I, I could go through that route. Or I could just say, you know what, you'd be better off with your feet a little right. And then they can hit mm-hmm. it, and they're going to see the ball fly get better. And if they ask the why, you can say, well, I, I could get into a dissertation on impact physics, but I'd rather just have you trust me that that's been going on for as long as people have been playing this game. You know, so I think it just yeah. comes down to that. I want to do it fast. I want to do it simple. And I don't want to talk much. That's what I want to do. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, I think that the mark of a great, of great instruction is the ability to get somebody to do something with with not a lot of steps or not a lot of you know not a lot of you know you don't have to you don't have to talk for an hour to get somebody to do something right and uh, you know and I also think that one of the arts of teaching is is I think one of the most important things is being able to I think to me the better the teacher the less they talk mm, I agree with you there you know you and I both know players that wanted to be dazzled with BS. Like I, I can think of one specifically that you had hit the ball better than you'd ever hit it, but wanted the BS, you know? So now how do you deal with that? Right. Cause you didn't need to do that to help that player get better. And, right. and that's, I think a, a problem, like even from the player's perspective, like there's a trust thing where they need to trust when you're, when you're helping them and it's working, maybe you should just ride that way to the shore. You know, you know, here's the thing. Like, I mean, so you wonder, like, where is this information? And, you know, I think that the great teachers are always going to be able to sort things out for students and use the information for their benefit. And, you know, you always going to be able to show them what they want to show them, whatever, and get results. I think the gr- people that are great at do it are always going to find a way to be great. But I wonder that, like, as as we keep spiraling down where there's more and more stuff out there, 
And I think one of the problems too is, I mean, it's, it's in every form of our life, but like, just because you could put stuff out on social media, or you can put stuff on the internet, doesn't mean it's true or that it even works. Right. Or that it's necessary. <laughs> I, right. I, you know, what I like you know which do. goes back to that old saying that we had, you know, when <laughs> you're really trying married. to get better, go to somebody who's actually made someone good at some point. Right. Because I, I think that's the danger out there. So, so I worry that students are going to get where they're always getting information, always information, and they bog down their ability to learn because they think that they have to have that. So true, man. I mean, we've, we've, I, I don't know how long you and I have been friends for over a decade now and talking about this stuff for a long time. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's changed. I think that I don't think that's changed. I think you still have to go to somebody at some point who helps somebody play worth a damn, you know? Right. And people that are overcomplicating it or doing it in a way to draw attention to themselves, just to dazzle, they're dangerous, right? Like, I mean, I always use this analogy. Like I, if somebody's trying to complicate something that doesn't need to be complicated, you and I know how to use a straw, right? I mean, I think yep. anybody listening knows how to use a straw. You basically put your lips around it and you suck it in and there goes this, you, you get your iced tea in my case or whatever it is that you're drinking, right? It's not complicated. It's but early in the day. I haven't gone to anything but water. <laughs> uh, so, but if you go on, if you go on, on the beautiful internet and you, you type in how to use a straw on, in Google, it's hysterical. The, the, the diagrams that you can get and what happens like it talks about air pressure and the flow and all this junk. And it's like, does it need to be that complicated? I mean, it just doesn't, does it? I mean, we can do things as teachers to make it look as if we know so much and we can show this graph and that technology and put you in this machine and you can wear this suit, or we could just explain it in a way that's simple. Like I watched Jim Flick do and made the player better in 90 seconds. That could have taken a week with some of these people now that are teaching with Jim. For sure. And they still probably wouldn't have gotten the, big, the same result. And I'm, I'm trying to be more, trying to be more like Jim Flick uh, every day. Well, I'm trying to be the, I've, know, the simple guy. I've done this a couple times now, and I, I may have told you, but I, in fact, I think I did. I, I've had a couple days where I've been here and I've said, you know what? I'm going to turn everything off except for my video. Right. And obviously, I know the student, and I know which students are the right ones to do with, right, and whatever. But it was fascinating how when you can't rely on some things, how you have to get back to being more of a critical thinker, I think. That's right? great. I love that. And I think that so it, it, it was a great exercise for me, you know, like turning stuff off, you know, to engage my mind instead of just always looking to see where the trace is. Why don't I get off my ass and actually look? <laughs> you know, and try to figure <laughs> yeah. it out. Right? Yeah, so true. You know? So true. Mm-hmm. Great exercise for people, too, that are even listening that are not teachers. Like, if you hit a shot and you don't understand why the ball did that in the air, and I'm not talking about your elbow or your wrist, I'm talking about what happened at impact to make that ball start where it started, right. curve or not curve, the direction that it curved and the amount it curved. If you do not understand that, then whenever you're working on your swing, you need to stop immediately and start to try to understand why the ball did that in the air. Because if you can't figure that out, if you don't understand ball flight, then you can't understand your golf swing. You don't know what to fix. You're guessing. You know, right. you, the, the, the most simple, you don't need a computer. You do not need a track man. You do not need anything to do that. You just need your brain and you need your 
your knowledge to understand why the ball starts where it starts and what it does in the air and why it does it. And then if you can do that, then you can start getting logical about what to fix. You know, I, I also instead of think following that, some clown on Instagram who's got who's got the secret, you know. I also think that there's something to the fact, and that, now I think technology is great. I have I got a hundred fifty two hundred thousand dollars worth of it in this damn building, right? And <laughs> I I mean I don't know how to turn all of it on, but I got an idea. But I think it's great, right? All of it's great, but I think we overuse it and over rely on it. And I also think that the player needs to get back to owning and understanding what they have to do instead of every time they hit a bad shot, wanting to know what the numbers or the swing can. And I got them all, but like they've got to get back. And I always, you'll love this story. I remember one time I was early in my teaching career. This had to be, this had to be 15, 16 years ago, 17 years ago. I was at Sandestin Beach Resort working and Boo Weekly was there playing and something. I mean, just hanging out and he was hitting. I mean, I, we would all agree Boo Weekly's a, is unbelievable ball striker. And I knew Boo a little bit, and I was sitting there just watching him hit some balls, and I said, what, what are you thinking about? <laughs> and he said, well, all I ever did coming up, you know, this is right before he went on tour, I think, and uh, he goes, all, I've ever, all I was ever taught when I was a kid, he said, somebody had this thing that held his head in place. He goes, is I try to keep my head centered, or steady, I think he said, and I try to keep my right wrist bent, and I try to smash that as hard as I can. Interesting. Right? Pretty clear with his intention there, right? He was he knew what he was doing. Now, we can come up with lots of, you know, hell, there's all kinds of terminology, right? But, like, I thought the brilliance of it was he understood that. That simplification, man. You don't play great golf without it being feeling like something like that, right? If you've got a clear picture in your head, you're 100% committed to that, and you're rocking and rolling. And if you're thinking during the swing about 10 things, good luck. You're not going to play golf. Yeah, and and again, I just think people need to – and and even if you you, you may use technology and have access to it, but use it to figure out what what you need to do to hit good shots and own that. And then once you know what you need to do, quit searching. Go learn to do it more. Yeah, and understand why, like, because everybody's going to have their misses, right? Right. I mean, you and I, we're great. We could play together. If we hit balls at the same time, we might meet in the air in the middle of the fairway. Because mm-hmm. yours is curving left and mine is curving right, you know? And the cool thing is, like, if you start hooking it, you know what you did, right? You probably mm-hmm. know why you're doing that. If you start pushing it, you know what you did. Same for me if I overcut it or if I pull it. So. I know my misses, I know my game, and it makes golf pretty easy to manage. I don't have to practice a lot. Right. And I think people don't understand what they're trying to do, and they don't understand what happened when they didn't do what they wanted to do, and then they're they're just forever searching. Tough way to play golf. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and I think, yeah, I think you just, people got to understand what they do, right? And I think that's like, you know, I was thinking of what we're going to call this, but I think it's teaching in our 50s, right? You know, things like like we've all done that. Like we, I mean, I know you have, I I know I have coming up. We've gotten the new stuff and like, man, we've jumped out there and that's been what we focused on most of us. I mean, I don't know if you've done that, but I've done that. I remember the first time I got certain pieces of technology for information. I mean, I tried to make that fit everything I did. Sure. Of course. I, I did the same stuff. I've done it many times, but I think the cool thing is we dive in because we want to learn and then we right. realize, okay, well, this part's good about it, but yeah, I don't like it for that or that or that. And, you know, and then you use it when it, when it works. 
You know, there's no, mm-hmm. there's no one thing for everybody. That's for sure in terms of technology. And so you, you kind of take the bits and pieces out that really work for you with your students. And then you, you become just that much more versatile, I think, as a coach, you know, yeah. but you're not a one trick pony. You're not using the same thing all the time in the same way. Yeah, I, I love it, and I agree with that. And I and I think like my biggest thing now is you know you look at like it's like I want to help people figure out what they do when they hit their good shot, and then I just want to help help coach them to do that more of the time, whether it's more often if they're not that you know not a great player, or if they're developing, can we get them to do that bigger and faster and stronger, and then I'll bring people in to help them, but like. You know, let's help them find out what they do when they hit their good shot and get them to do it more of the time. That's the simple stuff that I love, right? Like, why are you hitting it good when you're hitting it good? And then when you're not mm-hmm. hitting it good, what's different than when it was back when it was good? <laughs> you know, and if, Which if I you think can kind of keep it in that space, technology. I agree. Right? Like I think you get to the, actually capture it when it's great. I've told you this before. I wish I would have had. I had one, but then didn't have it at the time. But I wish I would have had Swing Catalyst and a bunch of that technology at the time. Smiley played his very best when I was still working with him, right? Because then once yeah. it got off, fell off the apple cart, I think it would have been able, easier able to prove what he did, right? So true. Like, I think a lot so of the true. measuring stuff is way more useful to understand what's going on when it's good than it is just the problem solving stuff going all over the place. I couldn't agree more. I tell all my students because they all usually they'll have their phone, right? It's their only technology. And I'll tell them when they're hitting at their best, Film it, film it, save yeah. it, put it in a file in your phone. That and I, I actually tell them the label of this, but don't even look at yep. it. Don't look at it when it's good. Wait till you start hitting it bad again, and then compare it to when good, and then you'll have a really good idea of what you need to do. You know, but I don't want people to derail themselves by looking at it when it's good. I want them to ride the wave. You know, right? Because we all know it's going to go bad. You know, it's just inevitable. It just goes bad less bad for great players than it does for those of us that are not great but yep. at least if you have that like you said you have something that you can at least measure in some way whether it's a video and better yet a swing cat or something where you can actually you have that you have the numbers in front man you can really help somebody get back faster right yeah that's awesome. agree yeah i think that's a great value brady this was awesome i always enjoy the chats and hanging out can't wait to get out there to hawaii let everybody know though where you are. So I mean, there's people listening to this all over, man. If you're listening and you get the chance to go work with the red goat, you got to go do it. Let them know, Brady. Well, that red goat's a little white, but uh, I'm spending <laughs> about a week to ten days a month in uh, Hawaii at the Four Seasons Hawaii Resort on the Big Island. And when I'm not That's there, I'm in LA. Yeah, LA, San Fernando Valley, teaching where I've been forever and ever and ever. And I, you know, like Tony, I get around a little bit doing some stuff around the country. So I follow me on Instagram at Red Goat and you can always keep up. Perfect. Brady, you're awesome. You're one of the best out there. One of my truly dearest friends. I appreciate everything, bud. Look forward to hanging out. Me too, buddy. I miss you, bud. <laughs>